moms are all on a journey, and every path is unique to them. There are a million things for her to do, but none moms are all on a journey, them to the and every path is unique to them. Creation. There are a million things for her to do, but none more important than introducing them to the beauty and wonder of God's creation. There's no one else in the world like her, and God made it that way. She's been through years of joy and heartache, and her stories are sacred, precious, and holy. She's poured out her life into her children and grandchildren. There's no one else in the world like her, and God made it that way. Most of the time, they remember what you've taught them. But then other times, they need a not-so-gentle reminder that boundaries are a part of love. There's no one else in the world like her. And God made it that way. Giving birth to her own children didn't play out like she thought it would. And while there have been many dark days, this day is providing more light than she knows what to do with. There's no one else in the world like her, and God made it that way. her firstborn son and even though people might feel sorry for her there's nothing she'd change about her situation or about the gift he is to her there's no one else in the world like her and God made it that way every mom is unique and beautiful and our prayer today is that all mothers would allow God's truth to pour over you that there really is no one else in the world quite like you, and that God himself really made it that way. So be blessed and be honored. Continue to shine the love of Christ into the places where your family needs it the most. Happy Mother's Day. the mothers stand up for us would you just take i'm not going to have you to come down front we're just going to have you to stand um and i think the rest of us ought to give you a big round of applause we don't always show it as much as we should but we do we do thank you from the bottom of our heart why you stand there let me lead you in prayer our heavenly father as we come before you this morning i want to thank you for the mothers i want to thank you for what they represent all of the devotion, the hard work, the sacrifice. Father, we thank you for that. And we don't always show it. We're not always appreciative. But, Father, in our hearts we know how, how vitally important our mothers are, the lives that they've influenced and continue to influence. And I pray for them today. 
I pray your blessings on them. I pray that you'd lift their spirits up. Lord, I just pray that you would draw them near to you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Why don't you all be seated and children are dismissed to go to Kid Zone. Why don't you go ahead and take off. You know, like the video was showing, uh, mothers are so different. They They really are. But God uses you. No matter who you are, what your personality is, what uh, your parenting style may be, God uses you in the lives of children everywhere. And today I want to talk to you on the subject of the tale of two mothers. What we're going to do is this. We're going to be looking into the Old Testament at two mothers who mothered the same child. The child was Moses. He had two mothers. One was his birth mother and one was his adoptive mother. And what I want to do today in the time we have is to see the love that they both had for this one child and to see how different they both were. They were totally different, but they both loved this same child. And I want you to see the contribution that each one of them made, whether it was the birth mother or the, or the adoptive mother. And as we look at this, I want you to kind of, we're going to get a round, rounded uh, picture of some of the traits and characteristics of a mother. Um, in the text, it doesn't show all of these traits um, in one of, one of these in particular, but together they sort of give you a good picture of what some of what mothers do and why they're so special. And there's so many more than what we're going to be talking about today, but I want to just pull from the text and focus on these. I want you to see the contribution that they made, and then I want you to, at the end of this with me, I want to take you to a point of application. Because I believe that God loves us the way that mothers do. I believe that God's love reflects that of a mother. And we'll talk more about that at the end. But I want to jump into this today and, and, and take you through this. Before we get to the text that we're going to be looking at, I want to share with you a little bit of the context of where we are in this. Um, this is back during the time that the Israelites were in bondage in Egypt. They had as you know, spent four centuries there in bondage in Egypt. And one of the problems that they had had is that God multiplied them so quickly and built them into a nation that they were several million strong living in Egypt. And the Egyptians became afraid of them because they thought they might take over. So Pharaoh at that time sent out a decree saying that the all of the Hebrew children that were male, that were born male, those babies, the male babies, were to be thrown into the Nile. And he thought that by controlling the population of the males, he could control the population of the Hebrew people. So that's the setting in which Moses is born. And um, let me just take you through this uh, quickly as we look at this text. It's in Exodus chapter 2. We're going to be looking through verses 1 through 10. It says in verse 1, it says, Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. Now, for three months they hide the child Moses because they know that the decree is that they're, they're to be thrown into the Nile. The midwives actually were responsible for doing that, but many of them didn't. But nonetheless, as he grows older, she's going to have to do something. So she's desperate to hide him. In verse 3 it says, But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus, uh, papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. 
Then she placed the child in it and put, him, put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. Uh, her sister, or his sister, I'm sorry, Moses' sister, stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Now, you know, you've got to think, what is she trying to do? What is she up to? Well, her idea is this. I cannot keep him, and really no Hebrew woman could keep him. So if she put him into the uh, reeds along the Nile and have his sister watch him to make sure he doesn't float down the river, hopefully an Egyptian woman would find him. Now, I don't know whether she knew that Pharaoh's daughter bathed in that particular spot uh, daily. I don't know. Maybe she did. But at any rate, she's hoping that somebody would take the child. Now, realizing this full well, that once the child is gone, it's gone. And that's, she's, you know, resolved to that reality that the child will be gone. In verse 5, it says that Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe. And her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket along the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying. And she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Now, she understands that it's a Hebrew baby. There's no question about that. I'm sure the blankets or the clothing or something gave that away. But she realizes who it is, and she realizes also that her father had made a decree that the baby couldn't live. But that didn't seem to matter because the motherly instincts take over, and she does something that was really out of character, and, and except for a mother. It says, Then his sister, who was walking along with him, his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Now, she wasn't able to give milk. Can I go get somebody, a wet nurse, to take care of the baby for you? So she goes and gets her mother. Now, notice what um, Pharaoh's daughter says to her in the next verse. Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. Now, just, you know, you got to get into this and look at beyond what's just said here and try to put yourself in the position of these two women and what they're going through and what they're feeling and their reasoning for doing what they're doing. And you've also got to see the hand of God in all of this because it just so happens that Pharaoh's daughter is the one that finds the child. It just so happens that the, his, uh, Moses' sister is able to say, let me go find a wet nurse for you. It just so happens that all of this takes place. Well, no, the hand of God is in it all. But, that, but still, that doesn't change what the women were feeling, what they were doing, what they were experiencing, and what they displayed in the way of character and the love that they had for this child. So what I want to do is this. I want to share with you a couple of items concerning the love of the birth mother and how that was demonstrated, and then look at the love of the adoptive mother and how that was demonstrated and then compare that to the love that God has for us. So let's begin with the love of the birth mother. Here's the first thing that I notice concerning the birth mother and the love that she shared for her child. Number one, she was willing to give him up to save him. She was willing to give him up in order to save him. Now she knew full well 
that in order to save his life, I have got to let him go. And she did that. She made the plans, she built the basket, and she did it. Look at with me and uh, go back to verse 3 in our passage here in Exodus chapter 2. It says, But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and, clo- and uh, coated it with tar and pitch. And then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. Can you have, do you have any idea how hard this must have been for her? The Nile River was infested with crocodiles. The Nile crocodile is the biggest crocodile in the world. And here she is putting him in there in order to save his life. She knows that this is the only thing that she has that she can do for him. I don't begin to understand what she was thinking, what she was feeling. But the closest thing that I guess I could liken it to is this. Back in the, I think it was 72, when the U.S. forces were pulling out of Vietnam, there are stories told about Vietnamese women bringing their children to the, to the planes and trying to hand them off to some of the American soldiers, saying, here, take my baby, take my baby. Because they knew that once the Viet Cong moved in and took over, that their very lives were in danger. And they were willing to give up their babies in order that their babies might be saved by living in the United States. I can't imagine how hard that must have been. And I don't know if if any of us can unless we've had to go through it. But this is what they were willing to do at that time. Now, you know what? Some of you mothers may have in the past given up your child. You maybe were pregnant as a teenager or maybe at some point in your life came to realize that given the situation of your circumstances and your marriage and your family and what you were going through, that this child's life may be in danger, this child's future may be jeopardized, whatever whatever was going on, you made a decision. You made a decision to give that child up adoption and it was maybe the hardest thing you've ever done and ever since it took place you felt nothing but guilt because of it let me encourage you that not to feel that way not to feel guilty because you know what you've got to realize that what you did you did for a reason but you were thinking of the child as much as you understood at that time as much as you could make as far as a judgment you made a decision based on your love for your child. And you gave that child up. That's what mothers do. And when push comes to shove and your back is against the wall and there's no other answer, at least in your mind, what you're thinking, what you're facing, you made the tough decision. And rather than condemn yourself, I want to commend you. I want to commend you. Because as hard as it was, and all of the guilt that comes with it, you did the right thing. You did the right thing for your child. You did the right thing uh, for their future. And I want you not to feel guilty and let yourself go as far as being feeling the forgiveness of God. Because what you did, you did out of love for your child. And this mother did as well. She was willing to give him up in order to save his life. And that's what mothers do all the time. They'll give their child up in order to save them. Here's the second thing that I want you to see in way of the characteristics of the birth, of the birth mother, and that was this. She was committed to his spiritual growth. 
the birth mother was committed to Moses' spiritual growth. Now, let me read you this text, and this one is out of Hebrews. Now, in Hebrews chapter 11, the author of Hebrews is going through the Old Testament and naming hero after hero after hero, people that lived in the Old Testament time. It's called the great uh, list uh, of faith of, of the saints of God from the Old Testament. And listed among there are Moses' parents and Moses. Now, I want you to watch what is said about them, okay? Hebrews chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. Now, watch. He says, By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born, because they saw he was no ordinary child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Now, watch what it's saying. They could see in Moses, and I believe this is the work of God dealing with their hearts, this is no ordinary child. There's a purpose here. And so in spite of the king's edict, we're going to save him, we're going to protect him, we're going to guard him, and go through all the things we're going through to ensure that he has a future. Now the next verse, it jumps to Moses. Now watch. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Now, I want you to look at this for just a moment. Let me point out some things. He had everything that Egypt had to offer right there at his fingertips, but he chose to be numbered with the children of God. He would rather be disgraced and be considered a slave along with them than to enjoy the treasures of Egypt. And it says here that he did it for the sake of Christ. Did Moses understand about Christ? I, I don't think so. I think just like any other Old Testament saint, he had an understanding that something was coming and that God could be trusted and that God would provide a Messiah. I don't think that he understood all the details like any other Old Testament saint. But it says that he was looking ahead to his reward. He had a great deal of faith in the Lord that somehow God was going to reward him. Look at this next verse. This one is out of Acts. Acts chapter 7, verse 25. Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them. But they did not. Now, now notice what his parents understood and what he understands. All of the things about what I just read to you, and now it's, he, he couldn't understand why the Hebrew people didn't understand that God had sent him to rescue them. Now, here's the question. How did he know all of that? How did he know all of that? You may be thinking to yourself, well, God must have revealed it to him. Well, that's possible. But there's a problem with that theory, and that is this. Forty years later, when he stands there beside the burning bush, remember that? And God speaks to him from the burning bush. He's startled. He doesn't know who that is. Who are you? What's your name? He says to him, he said, I am the great I am. Take off your shoes because you're on holy ground. He had never seen God before. Never talked to God from all indications. 
He didn't get it from God, evidently. He didn't get it from Pharaoh's daughter, obviously, so there only leaves one other character in this, this story, and that is his birth mother. And during the time in which she was with him, well, until he was weaned, probably, I don't know, a couple of years old or more, I don't know, and back in that day when they weaned a child, but she probably continued on as a nanny, was, had, had uh, uh, interaction with him throughout his life. Somehow mom knew. Somehow mom knew. Because she had already said the parents knew he was no ordinary child. And mom, in the time that she had with him during those early years of his life, just pounded into him the truth of who God is, what he is like, his people, the future, everything that God had possibly revealed to her. She's pouring into the life of her son. So it comes to the point in time where he makes a a life-altering decision. Where did he get it? He got it from mom. I think most of us, if we sat back and we thought about it, would have to admit that our first understanding, our first recollection of discussing who Jesus Christ is came from Mom. I can remember it to this day. As a small boy, sitting on my mother's lap, and we had this great big Bible story book with these colored pictures and all of this, and we'd sit and Mother would read it to me. It's where I first learned about the the Old Testament characters and who Jesus was and that sort of thing. I would venture to say that probably most of us, if we're honest, would admit that the first time we can remember hearing about Christ was from mom or whoever our mother figure was. I want to encourage you young mothers that you teach your children spiritual truth you are the single greatest influence on those children at this age when they're young that's not to say that dad isn't but nobody can replace mom and the influence that you have and the things that you teach them you have the perfect opportunity when they're so pliable at that age to teach them the things of god that will go on with them for life so here we have this birth mother She's willing to give up her son to save him. She's committed to his spiritual growth. Now, I'm sure there was much, much more that we could say about her as a birth mother, but in the text, this is all we learn. This is all we see. But we do move now from her to the adoptive mother, Pharaoh's daughter. And there's a couple of things that stick out about her and her love for this same boy. Now watch. Number one, here's the characteristic that I want you to see, is that she loved the child that nobody else wanted. In her mind, she stumbles onto this basket in the Nile River. Who left it here? Nobody wants this child. Who's going to take him? And in her mind, nobody wanted him. She said, I guess I'll take him. I'll do it. In verse 6 of Exodus 2, it says that she opened it and saw the baby. He was crying. She felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. The differences were monumental. 
There were ethnic differences. There was religious differences. There were social differences. This is a slave child. Everything, but she didn't care. Because in that moment, motherhood took over. And those motherly instincts came out. And she was willing to sacrifice because she's putting her neck on the chopping block. When a king makes a decree, if somebody breaks it, it doesn't matter if it's my daughter. It doesn't matter. So she's sacrificing a lot here too. But she couldn't allow that to happen. And so she took the child in. I don't know whether this woman ever became pregnant herself had children herself. We know nothing else about her. But I want to change directions for just a moment and say this. Why, why do you think that God allows certain women to be barren? Think about this, okay? Why do you think that there are certain women in, in our lives who desperately want children but cannot? Now, I have prayed with my daughter, who was going through this at one time, she now has children. I've been praying over a niece that was desperately wanting children and finally did. But you know as well as I do that there are many times that we pray for people who want to become pregnant who never do. And in times like that, we wonder, okay, where's God in all this? You know, why is it something being done? Why doesn't God show up? And why does God allow this to happen? And could it be just one possibility? I don't pretend to know the mind of God in this, but I'm just saying one possibility just might be that God needs somebody to love the child that's already here. God needs an adoptive mother. There are so many children who need to be taken care of. And sometimes we become so introverted in our thinking, in our, in our worldview, that we can't see the need that is around us. This woman, with all that she had to lose, stepped up and said, I'll take him. I'll take him. And I'll choose to love him. Some of you in here right now have been adopted as adults or teenagers, what have you. You've been adopted. And you can look back, and you can look back over the time that you've had with this adoptive mom or adoptive dad. Do you realize how blessed you are? How absolutely blessed you are? That somebody looked at you and said, I love that one. I can't say if anybody else does or not, but I will. And with an act of her will, she chose you. You're special. Because you see, that's what adoptive parents do. And in this particular situation, this is what this adoptive mother did as well. One other characteristic of this adoptive mother, and that is this. That she wanted the best for her son. She wanted the absolute best for her son. Read this, or follow along as I read this verse. In Acts chapter 7, verse 21, it says this. When he was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her son. The next verse. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. 
this lady gave him something that no other person could have given him. Not only did she protect him from death, but she gave him or placed in his, his life every opportunity that the Egyptians could afford him. He was well-educated beyond measure. And, and, and it's as if all of a sudden from impending doom in the Nile River to everything that Egypt had to offer, because this mother was committed to giving him everything that she possibly could. That's what moms do. Whether they are birth mother or an adoptive mother, this is what they do. They are committed to giving the very best they can to their children. They cannot always afford it. They they are not always in the position to do it. But what they have, they give. Because moms sacrifice. They always do. I want to shift gears, okay? I want to change and go in a different direction. Because now we're going to leave this story and these two mothers and move into more spiritual application. Because I contend that the love that God has for you and me is the same that a mother has for her children. It's just as deep, deeper and more intense and more committed. Let me show you a verse before we get into this. and Just to show you that God's love is like that of a mother. Now, the setting for the story is this. Jesus was out uh, teaching and preaching, and he's teaching about when God comes back and when the Lord returns and judgment takes place and all the things, and talking about the Israelites and how that the temple's going to be torn down and, and God's just going to restore everything and do things different. Is, you know, he's pronouncing judgment, basically, on, on Israel. And he's out there on the hillside, and he turns and he looks at Jerusalem, the city. There's what he says in Matthew 23, 37. He says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you are not willing. Now, don't miss this, okay? Because Jesus is saying this, I wanted to love you like a mother. I wanted to love you like a mother hen would gather her chicks under her wings and protect them and care for them and nurture them. That's what I wanted to do for you. But you weren't willing to do it. And every prophet that I sent your way, you killed because you didn't want to hear what they had to say. And now you're facing the judgment of God, basically, And my heart bleeds for you as a mother would bleed and grieve over her children. The love of God is just like that of a mother. Now, how so? In what ways? Well, in all of the ways that I just explained to you in the life of Moses with both his birth mother and his adoptive mother. Now, give me a couple of minutes, okay? Watch this. Just like the story we just saw, The mother was willing to give up her son in order to save him. Here's what God did for you. God gave up his son to save you. God was willing to give up his son in order to save you. That's the love that he has for you. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, that's you, that he gave his one and only son 
that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God looked down from heaven to earth and he said, I can't let them go down the Nile. I can't let them go. And so I'll provide a way and I'm willing to give up my son in order to save them. Guys, you cannot miss this, okay? Because his love for his son was just as strong, stronger than a mother's love for her child. But yet God said, I love you more and I will give up my son for you. Here's the second way. Just like the mother was committed to Moses' spiritual growth, God is committed to you. Listen. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, what's the verse saying? It's saying, look, God made a commitment that when he saved your soul, he was going to bring you to maturity. That is a lifelong process that he never gives up on. God never stops. You may walk away from God. You may try to do things in the world that are ungodly. You may try to rebel, but God never stops. And not only is he drawing you back, and not only does he chasten you, not only does he bless you, not only does he forgive you, God never gives up on you. Just like a mother never gives up on a wayward child. God's love for you is very strong. And the, the, the relationship here on earth that we can best use to describe it is that of a mother. Here's the third way, and that is this. He loves you even when no one else does, just like the mother did. When nobody else loves you, nobody else wants you, God does. Now let me show you a verse. Now watch this, okay? In Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, it says this, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, you've got to understand what the verse is saying, okay? You see, people say today their, their, their concept of God, their concept of God is this, that as long as I serve Him, as long as I honor Him, as long as I do what He wants, as long as I do all the things I'm told to, as long as I act like a righteous person, that God will love me. And when I stop being that person, then God will not love me. But the verse says this, that God chose to love you while you were still a sinner. Oh. I hadn't changed a thing. And he, he said he, he died for me then. He loved me then. Yeah. When nobody else would, when you are despicable and disgusting, God said, I still love you. Just like a mother. You see, God loves you that much. Here's the last one, and that is this, that just like the mother, God wants the best for you. God, uh, the Lord Jesus in, in John chapter 10 talked about the abundant life. First, in verse 10, I think it is, John 10, 10, says the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. He says, but I have come that they might have life and they might have it to the full. Abundant life. He wants the best for you. We've talked about this. Your best life. That's what God wants. Why? 
because God loves you more than your mother could. That's how much he loves you. You know, we look at this and we study things like this and we see the, the love that a human being has for another human being, a mother for the child, that, that sort of thing. And somehow we, we hear and we, we believe intellectually that God loves us, but we don't really feel it. And I want to encourage you that you start equating the, the love of God, trying to use a human illustration like the mother's love for her child to help you to feel it. Because that's what you're going to need to do. You will always question God's love. You will always question it as a human being. Because there will be things in your life that happen that cause you to question it. You're not good enough. You're not worthy. Nobody likes you. Somebody said this. All of the things that we as human beings go through. I want to encourage you. That you start understanding that God loves you. Just like a mother. And he'll never let you go when you come to him. Let me go back to the verse in John where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever, that's you, whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. It's your gift to receive. By faith you believe it, you acknowledge it, you receive it. You don't barter with God. You don't bargain with God. You simply reach out by faith and take it. And God says, I love you that much. I think the biggest obstacle to a person coming to Christ by faith is believing that God could love them that much. Don't let that be the obstacle, okay? If you have children, you're on the road at least to beginning to understand what the love of God is like. He will never, ever leave you nor forsake you. Will you trust Him? Our Heavenly Father, as we bow before You, Lord, I pray for each and every one of us that are gathered here today. And Father, we would put our faith and trust in You if we haven't already. And that, Lord, we would begin to understand and appreciate how much You care for us. Because when compared to a mother's love, we at least begin to feel and to sense what your love is like. And all of the things that are true of a mother's love for her child are true with your love for us. Lord, I pray for all of us that we would, we would know that and feel it. Father, we thank you and we give you all the praise in Jesus' name.